Hey, Money Bosses, welcome back. I'm really excited for this next session. I've got a good friend of mine, Carmen Rosas, and we're gonna dive in deeper and talk about legacy planning. Now, Carmen has an interesting background, and so I was really excited when she agreed to come and join us. Hi, Carmen, welcome. Hi. Thank you so and much for having me. Totally, very excited. I know Carmen does uh, a, a traditional type of work that really goes well um, anytime I sit down to create a financial plan for clients. And that is the piece where we, where we outsource because I'm not an attorney and Carmen is. And so she works with clients um, on actually creating uh, estate plans, right? The traditional estate plans, but she does it quite differently. And so the focus of today's conversation is really building that legacy that I think you can be proud of um, and something that doesn't come quite as easily to a lot of uh, a lot of us. So I'm excited for that for that particular angle just as much as having Carmen here. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I yeah, I definitely have. It's funny because I actually have had attorneys reach out who have visited my website and they're like, oh, you have a very different approach. Very cool, but very like it's unique. Like there aren't many, if any, other attorneys that are doing kind of estate planning the way that I do it. Totally. Yes. And um, I love what you're doing in terms of um, just, just, just a different approach because you, you want to understand what, the, what, you know, what the clients or what, you know, what that one particular person you're working with really wants to accomplish as opposed to here is the traditional things you've got to have. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, that approach is quite different. So I'd like to give, uh, give you a, a, a proper introduction, uh, just share some of the pieces from your bio and then we're going to get and talk in, in more detail. So, so Carmen is a mother entrepreneur attorney author and the founder of Empower Her Yourself, a transformational community that powers women to create legacies for themselves on their terms. Her approach is both practical and intuitive, using legal tools, financial wisdom, and spiritual practices to guide women to take control of their finances and emotional wellness and build a sustainable future. Carmen's work has been seen in Forbes, Huffington Post, Modern Latina, and more. As a speaker, she's also led international retreats, workshops, and motivational talks, including a leadership talk at Stanford University for over 200 women. Her podcast, Rising Queens, is an honest, ongoing conversation for women of all ages who are ready to rise up and reclaim their power. This, when I read this, right, <laughs> this is the type of attorney I want to work with. Like, seriously. <laughs> So I'm excited, Carmen. Let's talk a little more. I'd love for, for you to share how you got started. I know you have this, like you've gotten formal education and you chose the path of estate planning. And it's mm -hmm. actually one of the things I say uh, is that in my next life, I probably want to be financial planner and an estate planner because mm -hmm. I feel like these, these are the topics that really are, this is the type of work you do for clients, you know, beyond just the numbers of the, the legal documents. So I think it, it's the, it's like this next level of service. So how did you get started and like <laughs> direction? Yeah, it's funny because, you know, being an attorney, I get the question all the time. Did you always want to be an attorney? Did you always know? And the truth is, as I went into um, my undergrad into college with um, a business mindset, right? I wanted to go into business. I was going to be in HR. I was going to help run these, you know, Fortune 500 companies. Like that was my goal. Um, and I got to college and I was like, I hate these business classes, economics, business 101. I was like, this is not what I want to do. Fell in love with an anthropology course. Um, and I decided, okay, I'm going to go study anthropology, which is the study of different cultures. 
Now, how did I get to law school from there? Well, I was coming into my junior year, didn't know what I was going to do with an anthropology degree. You know, I could go do archaeological digs or something, but that wasn't really on my, on my to-do list. And so there was an emphasis in law and society, and we compared the tribal systems in New Zealand with the U.S. legal system. And I was fascinated, and I said, heck, why not? Let's go to law school. Granted, I was the first in my family to go to college, and I'm the only attorney in my family. <laughs> so law school was like, oh, no big deal. That's what people do, right? Become doctors and lawyers. And so if everybody else could do it, so could I. Yeah. Um, so I went into law school, and... Um, I passed the bar, right? Did everything that I was supposed to do. And then when I was getting out, I originally was going to practice family law and I had done some pro bono work with um, a nonprofit up here in the Bay Area and um, loved it. But when I got into private practice doing family law, they're fighting over pots and pans. And I was like, I want nothing to do with this. Like, this isn't what I did in the nonprofit sector because there, and this is where I think I really got into women empowerment. Um, there were so many women that came in um, who became stay-at-home moms, who didn't have um, their financial plans in place, right? They, they depended on their husbands or their partners. And when they were no longer happy, right, they froze the bank accounts, kicked them out, um, told them, go figure it out. And so, so many women had no idea what their financial assets were, what they were entitled to, had no money. And I was like, oh no, we are going to fix this. We're going to help you get back on your feet and you can do this. Like you don't need him. We're going to work through this. Right. And so there are so mm -hmm. many emotions that are involved in there. But for me, it was more of like them feeling like they had, they were helpless, right? They had no control over their lives. And so when I got into private practice and it wasn't like that, I was kind of disappointed. Um, and so my plan when I started my own practice um, eight, almost eight years ago now was that I would do family law and estate planning. And the reason why I was called to estate planning specifically was because my grandma passed away when I was studying for the bar exam. And um, her dream was to go to Disneyland. She wanted to travel, but she was so much older that she just didn't get to it, right? And she had done a do-it-yourself will. She had printed some documents online, kind of threw them together and was like, here it is. And so when she passed away, my mom, you know, thinking here, you know, all about estate planning, let's figure this out. And I was just like, I couldn't imagine families dealing with those legal documents or not knowing what to do next to get possession of the bank accounts and the assets and the homes while also mourning or grieving their lo the loss of their loved one, mm -hmm. right? And so I was at that moment, I was like, okay, we're doing estate planning because this is going to help people. This is going to protect everything that they've been working so hard for um, and making sure that it doesn't go to the state, right? That their loved ones don't have to go through probate and deal with all of that. And so that's how I ended up here doing estate planning. And then the next kicker, right? When, how I, how did I get into a broader scope of legacy planning and doing things different? So as I was building my practice, I was like, I don't want to just do documents, right? Because in the traditional sense, what we do is we create documents, we give you your estate planning binder, and we send you on your way. I wanted more, right? I wanted actually to build a relationship with my clients and do more for them. And I was like, if we're preparing them for death, why aren't we also looking at how they're living their day-to-day -day life, right? And so intentional living became a very big thing for me, um, looking at how I spend my time, how I spend my energy. And I had just started getting into that. And then I found out I was pregnant with my daughter, who's five now, five and a half, excuse me. She's very sassy and make sure that you get that <laughs> half in. Um, and so when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, okay, now I really need to reevaluate the life that I'm living. If something happens to me, because I am an estate planner, right? 
um, tomorrow's not guaranteed. And so I said, okay, if I die while giving birth, because it happens, what story will people tell about me? What will people, what will my daughter know about me if she lives, you know, longer than I do, right? In, in which they, she will, you know, like, um, and so then I started really evaluating my life and how I was living it on a day-to-day basis and how I needed to change relationships, change the people that I was around, really get more intentional with my money, saving, having a better plan because now college was, you know, college is like triple what it was when I was in college. And so, you know, and, you know, secondary, you know, and going on to like get a master's or, you know, you know, furthering her degree. So um, that's kind of how I ended up here. And so as I was doing that and I was having conversations with other women, I realized they were in the same position, especially as becoming moms, you know, we kind of lose ourselves. We start to question, well, who was I before I even became a mom? Like, what were my, what were the things that were happening in my life and what did I like to do? Mm-hmm. And so now I do more of a holistic approach. There are still the clients that come in that just want the traditional side of it, right? Just the legal documents that's get in and out but I always still ask some questions, right? When we think about charitable giving, um, what charities are important to you? Why are they important to you? Do you want to leave them? You know, do you want to leave them money? Do you not? Um, and then we also have the clients that do the full holistic approach, right? I have a seven week coaching program where we do the first six weeks are creating a legacy and imprint that you want to leave in this world. Who are you? What do you stand for? And then in the last week we do discuss the estate planning. And then we also were able to create the, the tools, um, the legal documents. Mm-hmm. Very, very yeah. different approach. Like <laughs> it, it's very different because it just feels at times. And I've done, I've, I've been, I've been through both of the phases you sort of described, where it was younger. I'm like I don't need an estate plan, and like I just, you know, I, I, I've gotten something done. Um, I will not reference that as <laughs> source. But once I had Liam, or we were like, you know, getting ready. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, this is serious stuff. I've got to get my docs done. And so, but it was really also about just, let me get my docs done. I'm, I want to make sure that, that, that that's all taken. But like, I love this next phase is like, okay, what is my legacy? What do I want to do? Actually, I'll confess part of that estate plan there that I've never finished was uh, an exercise for me to sit down and write and write something. I'm like, you're never going to get me to write anything. I hate writing. <laughs> so, yeah. so they get my thoughts out in terms of that, just like with the legal structure. So I, you know, it's, it's a, actually a great reminder, uh, even just chatting with you today um, about this. So if we were to think about the clients that work with you and clients that show up in my world are all the folks that are watching the summit um, and who, you know, who have um, kids or have dependents, right? Mm-hmm. What would be, you know, some of the, um, things that they need to start thinking about in terms of making this this endeavor a little easier for them. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny. So I have a lot of clients that come in who are kind of what I like to refer to um, as sandwich generation, right? They're a lot like probably you and I, where mm-hmm. they're raising kids, but also taking care of aging parents, right? And so we have two different kind of situations that we're working with. And so my clients will come in, they'll ask about, you know, I need to help my, my parents prepare their estate plan. And then they're like, but I also need to prepare my estate plan. I have a toddler or like little ones and let's, you know, let's get this going. And so they'll start with their parents and then they'll work on theirs. Um, but some things to consider, right. When they are prepping for their estate plan, right. Obviously this is a money boss, um, summit. So making sure that 
they know what their financial picture looks like, right? What are their assets? What liabilities do they have? What needs to be paid? Those are super important because assets more importantly, right? Because the trustee or the person that you name to be in charge is going to need to know what bills need to be paid, what money needs to be collected and all of that, right? And so one question I get a lot is, well, who do we pick as our trustee, right? Or our executor or our power of attorney, the person that will come in and make these decisions for us. Um, and that is somebody that you trust. And that seems very kind of broad, right? But a lot of times people will sit back and say, oh, I don't really have anybody that I trust to make those financial decisions for me or that will manage my money or take care of my kids the way that I want them to. And so in terms of the guardianship, right, we'll go, we haven't, I have an exercise that we go through um, and I can go over this later on how to actually pick a guardian because I always tell them it's not about the finances, right? Because you're doing your part as a parent to prepare your finances, to have all that money in place for your children to be taken care of. Um, and so we do this exercise to better figure out who would be the guardian, right? And so um, as a parent, right, if you're a parent and you're more kind of, you know, you have minors, um, you really want to think about, um, one, the relationships that you have, right? Because you want someone that you can trust and that you can depend on and then getting your financial assets together. Those are really the two main important things. The third one that I would say again, and I mentioned is charitable giving. Um, if you have charities that are important for you, right? I've had clients who come in who've donated to like, um, what is it, to like John Hopkins or different hospitals or um, Doctors Without Borders because either they participated and it's a very, like a charity that's very close to their heart or because um, they've had a child or somebody, a relative that needed to, you know, get services through certain organizations. Um, and so that would be the other one is really thinking about what's important to you. And again, going back to, you know, what do you stand for? And that's more of the legacy part of it. But when we're creating our estate plan, the key factors are essentially your relationships, who do you trust and where's your money or your stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I definitely get to, to participate in the first part. <laughs> Where's your stuff? <laughs> but yeah. the, the guardian, uh, it it was quite difficult for for me personally as well, right? To sort of think that through and think, okay, I think I think I intuitively know, but is that really the right decision? And particularly, like I think you have a lot, you might have a lot of clients uh, where, for example, their family are not here in their own backyard. Like I, well, all my family's on the East Coast, mm -hmm. so. Like logistically, right? Although we live in the world where it's not a big deal, but there are families who have their uh, relatives uh, overseas. Lots, so how, yeah. How do, how do you do that? Um, yeah, lots of families, you know, and that's one of the tips, you know, for guardianship, especially is having both a short term, somebody that's within 20 minutes of where you live, and then a long term guardian, maybe somebody who lives overseas, and you have to make sure that there's enough time for them to come over and take full guardianship. Mm, I like yeah. that think about it. So, but how about we um, just take a little step back and, and maybe go through um, talking about what is an estate plan? Like, what does it entail? Because I think it sounds really fancy, really heavy, kind of like for the, you know, for the 1% wealthy and like, I don't need an estate plan. I don't get, don't have a lot of money or like, I don't have dependents. So let's clarify that for folks. Yeah. As I was talking, I was like, wait, I didn't really go over what all of these documents are. So an estate plan basically is a set of documents, right? Legal documents that are legally binding where you put down your wishes and what you want. And um, there's typically four main documents that are included. Um, the first three that I call are essentials. So it's a will, 
um, healthcare directive and power of attorney. And a will basically goes through the probate process. And so let me back up a minute. If you do not have an estate plan and your estate is valued at more than $165,000, whether it's real property, cash, et cetera, um, if it's more than 165,000, it would be subject to probate. Now probate is the court process that your family and loved ones would have to go through. And let me tell you, it's time consuming, expensive. It's just not fun. I have one probate. It was only valued with the brokerage account, no named beneficiary. Um, it was valued at 300,000. We're three years into probate and the estate is paying $17,000 in attorney's fees and um, administrative costs. Oh my so, Mm. <laughs> you could have paid you could have paid a, the, the, the fee to create an estate plan <laughs> and it's you know a, I want to say a fourth like a third maybe like it's yeah. significantly cheaper than you know twenty thousand dollars and if you own a home mm -hmm. that's a whole you know that's it's going to be upwards of you know fifty thousand dollars and the likelihood is if you don't have liquid assets then you'll have to sell the property um, and some people don't want to do that because there's sentimental value and all of that, right? So probate is the default estate plan if you don't have, if, and the default estate plan if you have nothing in place. Um, the next step up from that would be a will. The catch is, and people will interchange will and trust, um, but they're two different types of documents. A will actually still has to go through probate. It's just instructions to the judge. So if you go through probate, it would distribute to next of kin, right? Blood relatives, et cetera. If you have a will, you're able to put non-blood relatives in there to receive distribution. But the catch is it still has to go through the whole probate process. There's still that time and the freeze on the money. Um, and then you have the durable power of attorney and healthcare directive. Those two documents work in case of incapacitation. So the durable power of attorney, right? Making, appointing someone to take care of your finances um, if you're unable or incapacitated. And then the advanced healthcare directive is someone who will make medical decisions, again, if you're incapacitated or just unable to make your own medical decisions. Um, so those are the three essentials, uh, will, healthcare directive, and power of attorney. Now for most people, this fourth document, a living trust, has also become what I deem to be an essential. Um, if Again, if you have assets over $165,000, a trust is essential for you. There's really no getting around probate without it. Um, and especially, you know, I live in Silicon, in the middle of Silicon Valley and houses have gone up significantly for what, from when people first purchased them. Um, and so, you know, and that's the thing, right? People are like, oh, I only have a house. Well, your house is worth a lot more money. You know, it may not seem like a lot in California, but in other parts of the country, it's a significant value. And based on our laws, it's a lot of money. And so an estate plan, um, so a trust, will, healthcare director, and power of attorney are basically the four documents that you want to make sure that you have. And those are included in a traditional estate plan. I include additional documents like remembrance and memorial, right, that go kind of further into the legacy part of it. Um, but what people will say to me is, I don't have a lot. I don't have enough. Like, I think, you know, they think like Downton Abbey or, you know, a, a you know, celebrities, even celebrities have passed without trust. And I'm just like, oh my God, your advisor, what is happening? Where is your attorney? I feel like there was somebody telling you that you need to have an estate plan. Um, and so, but that's just it, right? I say that anybody over the age of 18 needs to have an estate plan. 
Um, something parents don't realize is that when their kid goes off to college and when they're 18, they no longer can call in and say, hey, what's going on with my son's medical stuff? What's going on with financial aid? Because now they're an adult and they have to give authorization. So I always tell parents who have kids going off to college or that will soon be 18 to get power of attorneys and healthcare directives, right? Those first three and a will, the first three um, essentials. Um, and so, yeah, so an estate plan basically can be for anyone. And then again, if, you're ha if you have children, right, that's another part of it is that guardianship appointment, making sure that your child doesn't end up in foster care, even temporarily, um, making sure that they're with somebody that they're comfortable with that person and it's somebody that you trust to, to raise them in a way that you would. Yeah, totally. I, I really like your tip around, uh, you know, at least starting the basic essential documents for the mm -hmm. younger, younger adult. Again, I'm thinking about me, 18 year old. I didn't even yeah. know. <laughs> I don't think my parents knew about it at that point. So, yeah. You know, yeah. so it's, uh, it's definitely interesting. Um, I know we have a plan to do a little bit more uh, deep dive in the next session as to what this legacy mm -hmm. planning is all about, because it's definitely a next layer up from, from at least just getting these, these some basic documents done. So mm -hmm. for everyone who's still interested, join us in the next session. You've got to upgrade to an all access pass. Uh, in order to be able to participate. But in the meantime, uh, Carmen, I'd love for you to share um, how pe uh, people can connect with you. Yeah, um, you can Google me now. <laughs> um, I am on, you know, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I have my website, but if you do Carmen Rosas attorney, um, so CarmenRosas.com is my website. Um, and then I have the empower yourself. And if you are, um, if you just do a Google search of my name, Carmen Rosas attorney, um, I am the only Carmen Rosas attorney um, <laughs> that will pop up, but CarmenRosas.com is my website and you can book appointments, get more information and figure, find out all of the different packages and um, things that I have happening. Sounds good. Yes. And we are also going to include a link uh, to all of these, all links to these, uh, for these contact information in the show notes. So, um, well, thanks so much, uh, Carmen, for, for your time today and uh, we'll see everybody in the next session. Bye for Thank now. Thank you. Thank you.